everybody, welcome back to Beyond the Barrels, UDOT's favorite podcast. Probably our only podcast. I think it's our only podcast, but if there are other podcasts out there, you should probably let us know. I think we need to approve of those things. Yeah. So I'm I'm just going to assume that we're the only one. So welcome back to UDOT's only podcast, which by default would make it UDOT's favorite podcast. And the best podcast. And the best, best podcast. I am Matt Allred, UDOT's internal communications manager. To my right is Grant Potter. Grant, how are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. Busy winter. Busy winter. Busy weekend. Skiing. Lots of skiing. So far, I didn't ski this last weekend. I had an eye issue. He has two eyes, folks. Across the table from me is Lisa Miller. Hi, Lisa. Good morning. Lisa is with our TOC. She's our communication manager for the TOC. What's the what's your actual title? Today, I think it's traveler information That's manager. What it is. Traveler information. Yes. Manager. Lisa's been on our podcast a couple of times, so welcome back. Glad you're here. Thanks to ha- thanks for having me. And to Lisa's right and my left, we're at a little round table here. Uh, is Caitlin Marusis. I said it right. Didn't Correct. I, I always want to. I always want to do the vowel different. So, Caitlin yeah. Marusis, who is with Traffic and Safety now. What's your What's your title for the department? Data and Assets Manager. Data so, and Assets Manager. Delightfully nerdy stuff. It's good stuff. It is nerdy stuff. It's the stuff that I always second guess whether or not I want to talk to Caitlin because of that title. It's the stuff nerd dreams are made of. That's I right. Say. Yeah. Data, data, data. Data. We love data. <laughs> Uh, Caitlin, tell me a little bit about yourself. How long have you been with the department? Yeah, I've been with UDOT for five years. Um, jumped around a little bit. Been with traffic and safety for about a year. Um, you started with GIS, is that right? Planning. Planning. And okay. then maintenance. And then GIS. Oh, and now traffic and safety. I didn't realize it was that far down the line. I know. Yeah, I like to get out and experience what everybody else is working on. So, What do you do in your free time? I am an avid skier in the winter and a mountain biker in the summer. Do you have a preference for ski resorts? I'm a backcountry skier these days. I haven't skied at a resort in probably six or seven years. So, so earn the have, turns. So you have to be extra cautious. Yes, extra cautious. Especially this year. Especially it's, this last week. Did I you, did, did you not out go out weekend? this last weekend. I was a little gun shy. So yeah. stayed home. So just as a reference for those of you who are, if you're listening to this right when we post it, um, lots of activity, avalanche activity in Little Cottonwood (laughs) Canyon, a lot of backcountry avalanches, stuff that we haven't seen for years and years and years. Um, So if you're listening to this down the road and you don't know what we're talking about. uh, It was a busy weekend. It was a busy weekend up up in our canyons. So kudos to those guys that are up there and, and we're working hard. Gosh, American Fort Canyon had some avalanches, and it was just, it was a busy weekend in the backcountry. So, um, well, we're glad you're here. Thank you. And I, I prepped uh, Caitlin on this. We've asked Lisa this before, but I prepped Caitlin on this uh, favorite UDOT moment. Favorite UDOT moment. I think what I appreciate the most about UDOT, especially the position I've got now, is just the freedom to solve problems, kind of however I see fit. Um, we know kind of where we want to get, and I'm given the latitude to get there however I see fit. And so I worked on a barrier prioritization project with Glenn Blackwelder last year that was just a really fun problem solving. I've brought it to a couple national conferences, and other DOTs are pretty stoked about it. So that's the kind of stuff that I find very fun. Flexibility. Yeah. Good. All right, Lisa, I'm going to let you introduce this podcast. What are we going to talk about today? Because this is actually, I mean, we just talked about what happened over the weekend. This is really uh, front burner for us here at the department, especially 
beginning of February, end of January, winter stuff. What are we talking about? Today? Yes, absolutely. We um, had a really busy weekend in a lot of our canyons. Um, we have a lot of truck traffic that goes through the state of Utah, and it's really important in the winter to make sure that you're up to date on traction requirements. And I say traction requirements specifically because this used to be a chain law or yeah. a four by four law. And uh, traffic and safety, Glenn Blackwelder specifically worked a lot over the last year and a half or so to really update this law code. We're going to call it a bunch of different things during the podcast today. And um, it's it's a it's a critically important requirement in winter for safe roads and making sure that we have mobility on our system. But um, we're here to tell you all about it and yeah. demystify it a demystify little bit. Demystify it, because yeah. we hear a lot about it. We've heard traction law a lot um, this winter season. And so we're just going to dive into it. Um, Caitlin, I just wanted to talk a little bit. I mean, Lisa mentioned it's called, it used to be called the chain up law. Give me the history of where this has come from. Yeah. So we've actually had, um, some kind of chain up law or traction requirement since 1992. Um, we updated it in 2011. And then I think kind of our main focus today is the, the change to administrative code in 2018. And that was when we really kind of changed how it was enforced, what counted as traction devices. So that'll be the focus today is kind of what those most recent updates were in 2018. Well, and I think part of the reason that we want to talk about this is that I know I've been asked a couple of times by people that know I work for UDOT, really what does the traction law mean? Uh, and so part of this is how do we make our employees aware of what's going on so that when you are asked by family or friends or neighbors or whatever, that you actually have some information to talk about. Because um, before, yeah, it was really simple. Chains are four by fours, mm -hmm. right? And and we're going to light up the signs and let you know when all these are required. And other than that, nobody really knew anything. And yeah. so uh, it's changed quite a bit. It's a little more advanced than just chains and four by fours. And, mm -hmm. and we so. And overall, Matt, the law was really changed to make it easier to comply with. There's a lot more options now. And if, if this were a conference session or if we were on a webinar right now and people were typing in their questions, I can feel all of you having your questions. So stay tuned. We're going to answer all of them, I promise. Yeah, hopefully we get them all. Yes. And, and, and if not, we've got ways for you to ask those questions mm -hmm. and we'll get answers to you. So. So you mentioned law, code, statute. I mean, what is it? Where, where are we standing? So this is actually an administrative code. Um, it's it's not actually a law. This is a code. Okay, so we've used uh, a couple different terms here. Law, uh, code, um, amendment, whatever. I don't think we used amendment. I just threw that in because I was thinking that that sounded smart. Very smart. Um, Lisa, tell us what the difference between a law and a code is. Well, this is uh, an administrative code, or sometimes called a rule, administrative rule. And there's UDOT involvement, there's legislative involvement, um, and there's also law enforcement involvement. So when we enforce a code, it's essentially something that needs to be on the books to make everything kind of consistent. Um, there's, a, there's a safety element there, for sure. And the difference is UDOT has a lot of administrative codes and administrative rules that we kind of determine um, based on the road network that we have here and based on a lot of different types of, of data. And we implement those with some guidance from 
sources outside of UDOT, the legislative and the law enforcement. But ultimately, it's what law enforcement uses to write tickets off of. And another code, for example, is if you are uh, driving into a closed work zone area, law enforcement can give you a ticket based on a different kind of code. We have administrative codes for what kind of lights our vehicles can have, if they can have amber lights or if they can have different types of, of flashing, uh, you know, blue lights, for example. Um, so there's a lot of different things that go into it. And that's why it took so long for us to redo this, this code. But law enforcement really uses interchangeably rule, law, code. Um, we still have on our variable message signs, traction, law, or um, tra traction law enforced or chains four by four required. So, um, in the public, a little bit of a soft definition, yeah. but it is a code, and it is enforced. Correct. So let's. I we're gonna say let's get right to where the rubber hits the road here. Um, I drove. I drive a uh, Ford Explorer. Mm -hmm. um, tires are pretty decent. Um, obviously, it has four wheel drive. What does that mean for me? What is, I mean, am I, am, can I just go up the canyons whenever now because I have a four wheel drive vehicle or what does that mean? That's a very good question. And I would refer you to get your pencils, everybody, udot.utah.gov slash go slash chain up. There's a really handy diagram there. And in December, um, Unified Police Department Sergeant Blanton and I presented to a room full of Lyft drivers. The local Lyft drivers had kind of a driver summit and we explained it to them. And then every person in the room came up to us afterwards. There was a line of people kind of out the door, which Here's was cool yeah. <laughs> because people were really interested in being compliant with this, this code and they wanted to make sure that they were being safe. And everybody said, I have a Camry and I drive here. And we said, that's great, but you hit on a very important point, Matt. You can have four-wheel drive all day long. If your tires are bald, it's not going to matter. So the, the code was changed to make it easier to comply with. Instead of just chains or four-wheel drive, we got a lot of questions in the past about all-wheel drive. And Caitlin, I'm pretty sure you have a Subaru with all-wheel drive, Correct. right? Yep. Um, I have a Jeep that has all-time four-wheel drive, which... Nobody told me that it was going to get terrible gas mileage, but whatever. <laughs> and go through tires like crazy. <laughs> yes. Um, so it, it really depends. If you have an all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive vehicle, the minimum is the M plus S tire rating, mud plus snow tire. And if you're at the complex, if you're at Region 1, Region 2, um, go out in your parking lot one of these days and kind of geek out a little bit and just look at some tires in the parking lot. Almost all of them have the M plus S rating. Also acceptable for all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive is the three-peak mountain snowflake. And those tires are a little bit less common. If you go to a tire shop, almost every tire has the mud plus snow. I'm not sure about your sports car, Matt. That one might not have mud plus snow tires. I actually have a set of tires, of snow tires for it. I don't put it on. So I have a, and I think I've talked about this. I have a little Audi TT. I bought an old little sports car, but when I bought it, the guy had a set of, of snow tires on their own rim. So I don't even have to change. I can just change the rims. But um, Grant actually talks about, he had a buddy that had a little sports car that had, he had just put 
snow tires on it. It was all wheel drive, right? Yeah. Well, he had the he had the TT Quattro, the all wheel drive Audi TT, and he put snow tires on it, and he drove it to like two hundred and forty thousand miles. But he, in, but where did he lived live? in Montana? Lived yeah. in Helena, Montana. Mm-hmm. Drove that car year round. Never had an issue with snow tires on it. But that's the thing is like he knew what it would take in the winter to be safe in a sports car, yeah. right? Snow tires awesome. make a huge difference. They really do. They're, it's a more specific tire for winter driving. It's a softer rubber compound. There's more siping in the tire tread. So it, it there's a pretty big performance difference from an all-season to an actual snow well, tire. And that's the thing is I think most people think, oh, I've got all-season. Like, we're okay. And But there is. There's a huge difference. And, and the all-season, the mud plus snow may get me the minimum requirement, but it's definitely not as safe as having snow tires. Right. And I think the time frame was removed from the new traction code um, kind of on purpose because yeah it's mud plus snow but we don't only have driving challenges here in Utah in the winter I mean we get torrential rains sometimes (laughs) you really don't want to be hydroplaning when you're driving down the freeway in June either you know so um, the, the type of tire is really important a lot of the local tire shops will help you out if if you say I drive minimally and i drive from my office to my house and that's it and i have a two-wheel drive car they're probably going to advise you but when when we were at that excuse me that lift um meeting a lot of people said well the tire shop said x and you guys are telling me something different if if you're driving in an area or especially if you're going to take this to your friends and your family if they're driving in an area where there's Uh, traction devices required at any time you probably want to pay attention to the specifics in the code not necessarily what the uh, tire shop is trying to sell you because they could have varying degrees of of um, info on it they might be incorrect and you definitely want to be buying something that's going to be safe for you but you know make sure you you know what you're getting into before you head over to the tire shop well, and it's it's not just any road in the state. We have specific roads that these rules apply to. It's level one and level two, and that also. Well, but I, right. see, I also think a lot of people think, "Oh, I'm not a skier. I don't. I'm not going to go up those canyons." And it's not just that. Like, it's not just our our ski resorts that have these yeah. these restrictions on them. So. Right, and the class one segments, which is a, a very important point to bring up, Grant. Uh, traction devices may be required for vehicles over 12,000 gross vehicle weight pounds. Um, there's a lot of class one segments along I-15, especially down by the Beaver area on I-70 by Emory and almost all of US-6. So if you're heading from Spanish Fork to Price, yeah. make sure you know what you're getting into and make sure you know uh, what the road... Um, conditions are going to be like and then there's class two segments interstate 80 parley's canyon is a class two segment traction devices may be required for all vehicles there um us 89 up by logan i mean there's a lot of different places so always best to be prepared and know before you go regardless of if we're talking about the the traction law or if we're talking about um winter weather special events you know make sure you have a good head on your shoulders before you head out so we've talked about four-wheel drive vehicles. Uh, we, we talked about there's trucks, over, anything over 12,000 pounds, right? So we're talking semi-trucks at this point mm-hmm. and, and what the requirement is for them. We see all the time chain up uh, that area, Parley's Canyon. It's super busy with that chain up area of semis getting their chains on. Um, most people are going to be driving a two-wheel drive vehicle. Right. What does that mean? Can I 
if if I one day decide, hey, I'm going to take my kids up, we're going to go skiing, and I'm in a two wheel drive vehicle, can I do it? What what's the what do I need to have in order for me to be uh, compliant with that code to go up Little Cottonwood Canyon, for example? It's a very good question. Let me finish up the four wheel drive, all wheel drive first. We talked about the N plus S. We talked about the Three Peak Mountain Snowflake. You can also have traction devices and. Um, Caitlin, maybe you can go in a little bit uh, in detail in a sec about what traction devices actually are, because it's not just chains anymore. It's not just chains, yeah. Yeah, but back to your question about the kind of two-wheel drive car. Vehicles under 12,000 pounds, gross vehicle weight, passenger cars, most light-duty trucks, things like that. The minimum there is the three-peak mountain snowflake. So we pretty much take out of the equation that mud plus snow tire, which is um, pretty, pretty widely available. If you don't have those three peak mountain snowflake tires, which you'll see a little mountain symbol on your tire that has a snowflake in the middle of it. And of course, you're going to be looking for the, the three peaks on that mountain symbol. Are there one peak snowflake mountains <laughs> on these tires? Or? <laughs> if you go out and Sharpie that on your tire, Matt, I'm going to know. So well, I'm just wondering, like, how many mountain logos on the side of tires that have snowflakes in the middle? aren't three peaks yeah i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure it's kind of an industry standard but next podcast bring somebody from goodyear they'll be able to tell you all of that but um the minimum for a two-wheel drive car three peak mountain snowflake also acceptable are the traction devices and back in the day i think a lot of people remember especially if you were a truck driver those vehicles over twelve thousand pounds buses and trucks putting chains on um it's super easy now, you guys. You can go to Amazon and find some. You can go to your local um, auto supply store. And a lot of the times they'll even help you to, to put them on. So other than chains, I mean, there's a lot of options out there. Yeah, well, and, it, you know, it's not just the old school, like, kind of chain, chain link looking chains anymore. You've got, like, some lighter, easier to use cable chains that are pretty easy to put on. By the way, there is a video of Grant online of him installing those cable and was it easy grant it was easy and i will say you should practice before you go out there yeah don't you don't want to get in the middle of a snowstorm (laughs) uh yes there was a man wearing shorts in a snowstorm trying to put tire cables on the back yes back of his van and i got out and offered to help him and i put them on for him after because i passed him went up the canyon came back down and he was was still still trying oh you're a good citizen it's uh Make sure you practice. Yes. Know, know what you have and know how to use it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we put the link to that video too when we put this podcast out. Always <laughs> easier to figure those things out in your driveway in sunny weather yeah. than yeah. on the side of a road with traffic whizzing by. Okay. Right? Sorry. So back to back. To yeah. So there's devices. also um, snow socks, which is uh, kind of a wrap that goes around the tire and provides traction. Basically, a traction device is something that's going to interface between your tire and the surface of the road to provide additional traction so, above and beyond the just the regular tire. So my traction control in my car where it goes not going to count, count Matt. Okay. Nope. Right. Not going to count. So I want to make sure cuz I know a lot of people have asked that question yep, is yeah. hey, I have traction control in my car, does that work? So this is an actual something outside of my car. It's going to be a physical interface between the tire and the road surface. And yeah, I get probably four or five phone calls a week and probably another half a dozen emails asking these kind of questions. And um, the other key thing to remember is that they go on your drive wheels. So if you've got a front wheel drive car, putting chains on the rear wheels is not going to be helpful. So should I put it on all four tires? Would that help? 
Uh, um, if you have an all-wheel drive car. But if it's a nope. two-wheel drive, just on drive, the Yep, drive wheels. Right. Perfect. Buses, trucks, it has to be on all drive tires. Um, two-wheel drive vehicles, it has to be on all drive tires. Um, traction devices for four-wheel drive, it's a little bit uh, more of a more of a use your discretion. Again, with all of this, regardless of all-wheel drive, two-wheel drive, what kind of traction devices you're using, you, you need to drive, you know, per Response. the conditions. conditions yeah. right. Slow down, give some extra following space, and just leave yourself extra time. The snow is still going to be awesome when you get up there. Your skiing mm-hmm. is going to be rad. So Or Logan will still be there. Yep. Or Park City, wherever you're going. Exactly. Because, right? again, we may not be needing these for recreation. Yep. Right. So all motorists have a part to play in making the roads safer. That includes driving safe for conditions, but it also includes learning about the the rule and, and the law. And when we were at that lift presentation, after everybody stood in line and said, what about me, what about me? They all went out to the parking lot and took a picture of their tire. And the picture that they took and they brought in was of the M plus S or of the three peak mountain snowflake. And I said, that's great, except I want to see your tread. Yeah. I want to see how yeah. much tread you have left on there. And um, possibly episode 29, 30, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff going on in the Cottonwood Canyons right now. There's a sticker program. And I have the sticker on my car right now. I went over to uh, the Cottonwoods maintenance shed a couple weeks ago and had my vehicle inspected and my tires are adequate for winter driving. They actually have a tire um, tread depth de- uh, detector. It sounds super sophisticated. Like a, like a gauge. Um, it's like a slide roll. Okay. Yeah, like so not ruler. really <laughs> sophisticated. Um, I like I like I like my de- my uh, definition there. Um, and they they pretty much go out there, and you can buy it at any tire shop. It's only a couple bucks, and that's what they're using to determine. Um, if your vehicle can can get a sticker, so it kind of expedites you getting up the canyon. But um, really important to make sure you're knowing the the law and the code before you head out. So how are we communicating this law to people? I think that's the next thing. Is it's important for us to know about it, but how is this going? How's this going out to the public? That's a great question. Um, traction devices are really suitable for a variety of vehicles, but um, there's a lot of resources online where you can go and determine what's right for you. Um, Personally, I grew up in the Midwest and we don't have BLM land. We don't have canyons. We don't have, um, I mean, we have challenging winter driving for sure, but um, chains kind of weren't a thing there. And when we have people coming in from other parts of the country to come here and um, enjoy our nice fluffy powder snow. They might not be uh, really informed or engaged either. There's been a lot of um, outreach to rental car companies, to tire shops. Um, I had a nail in my tire the other day and I went to Les Schwab and they had our um, chain and uh, traction info right on the front desk, which is really exciting for us to see it there. There's a lot of really good resources online We've been um, doing uh, quite a bit of outreach with videos. Um, There's some posters. We have tear-off booklets where law enforcement can hand those out at chain-up areas or when people are waiting at the base of the canyon for the canyon to open. Lots of work with Highway Patrol and um, Unified Police Department. And most recently, we're working more closely with our internal 
um, colleagues, um, Danny Page and, and his group, have invited us to come and speak, I think, later this week, actually, at um, one of their district engineer meetings to answer any questions that their uh, plow crews may have in maintenance sheds. So we're trying to get the word out, but um, it's up to everybody to know this info and then pass it along. And we, we think we've kind of made it a little bit more palatable, which is good instead of forcing you to read 20 pages of code we we think we broke it down pretty well for you so well that's i think one of the big reasons we wanted to talk about this too is that we have 1600 UDOT employees right and 1600 of us have hundreds of friends and and we all know people that are using the canyons they're they're driving in conditions where they should be safe and and you know folks open your mouth just talk to people and make sure that those that you love and those that you hang around with are are being wise about this right basically tell them yep. you don't want to be that guy you don't want to be that guy <laughs> you don't want to be that guy that uh, grant had to help when he was on the side of the road In trying to <laughs> trying to do the right thing we have to give him credit for that but um you don't want to be the guy or girl person blocking the canyon and um it's really not as hard as you think it is to to learn how to use them and to be compliant and that's ultimately why we made these updates to the code was to hopefully keep the roads open longer by kind of making it a little more nuanced of what you can use to comply with the rule. The hope is that, you know, we keep slide offs from happening, keep accidents from happening, and we can ultimately keep these roads open longer than if we just had the M plus S tire requirement. Yeah, of course. Well, and that's the thing is that it, your inability to follow the traction law really does impact thousands and thousands and thousands of people and, and uh, by us following this it helps our plow drivers and our snow fighters be more effective in what they're doing people are getting up and out, up and out of the canyon and we're plowing and we're keeping traffic moving which is really really the goal of it you wouldn't believe the amount of cars that the cottonwoods just crew pull while from the side of the road mm -hmm. like not even tow trucks coming nothing they just come by and someone slid off and they just every single time it snows there's a dozen or so that they just yank out and send them back down the canyon and say you didn't make you couldn't make it any further than this you need to turn around and get on the bus yep yep and it's not only the um ski bum passenger vehicles that you think about it's a uh, semis bringing supplies up to the resorts and um that we've, we've seen some great footage because we, we've got we've got a traffic cam that during a snowstorm we actually like putting it in the canyons mm -hmm. either big or little and what was it it was building equipment there was a semi truck <laughs> that had like sheetrock or something that just was so in it was the, scaffolding it was scaffolding just yeah. in a ditch and decided and it, a full-on 18 wheeler in the ditch yeah so there's a well-known amongst them specific truck that tends to have an issue every single time it snows. Oh, yeah. Yes. We will certain, not name names. A but certain company. Yeah, yeah. a certain yeah. vendor heading to Snowbird that can't seem to figure out that he needs to put chains on when it snows. A certain vendor carrying mozzarella sticks right. and <laughs> fresh, delicious opera-skied foods. <laughs> well, thank you, Lisa and Caitlin and... and I hope this gets out there. I hope people are using this. Um, I hope everybody knows that there are resources for you too. If you don't know how to talk about this or or need to point somebody in the right direction, uh, Lisa, where can they go? What's the easiest way? You, I, you mentioned it earlier, but. 
Yeah, the best way, if, if you're looking for something really quick and easy, it's udot.utah.gov forward slash go forward slash chain up. Um, if you have a community event, we have some um, printed off material for you. Just email me and let me know, and I'm happy to send you something via the, the Holy Joe Interdepartment mail. Um, we're working on developing a couple of quick PowerPoint slides, too. So if you have something that you really want to talk about at um, a community meeting, we can always send you a couple of slides to kind of, um, like we said in the beginning, demystify it a little bit. It's pretty easy to understand once you know what's all going on. Yeah, pretty easy. So we'll make sure that we put the link to that. And when we send out the podcast, we'll put the link to that. And um, put Lisa's email address. Caitlin, is it okay if we put your email address on Yep. Well? Like I said, I get probably half a dozen phone calls and emails a week. So, uh, yep, happy to take calls, happy to respond to emails. So, cool. Great. Well, thanks, uh, the two of you. Lisa's pointing to my board. Don't cheating. forget. Don't cheating. forget. Cheating. I'm not going to cheat. So, <laughs> listen, the last time I did a podcast, I forgot what our signing off, because it had been a couple months. We had annual conference in the holidays, and, and so I needed a little help. So on the board, I wrote some cues. I'm not looking at it. It's to my back. But uh, as Carlos would say, be safe out there. Put your cell phones down. Buckle up. Remember, you guys can count on that. See you next time. Bye.